if cap rates are low at 5%, your property is actually worth more money. As the return gets better for the buyer, it's not better for the seller. They're actually losing money as cap rates expand. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips, Heather Marchant here. It's a good day. It is going to be fun, fun, fun. We're going to fill you with all kinds of useful information for some people for your next conversation with whoever doesn't care about commercial real estate. If you don't do commercial real estate, this still has some value to your life. Yeah. I mean, commercial real estate affects everybody. And COVID changed the landscape a bit for commercial real estate. We closed our office before it was cool. What year was that? 2018? We all work remotely and it works awesome. And I have to say, since COVID, it works even better. There's just more tools and resources for us, which is great. Yeah. There are a lot of businesses that have to have an office brick and mortar place, either legally or they're manufacturing something. For some reason, they all need to be together. And those are not ever going to change. There's still going to be the need for office space. I go to the doctor in an office. There's parts of that where you could do over Zoom, but parts of it you can't. So there's a lot of need for office space. But we're not only just going to talk about office space today. That's the crux of the matter with what we're going to discuss is that I think most people, when they talk about commercial real estate, they only think about office space because that's what they see or retail, malls, commercial real estate, like in commercial mortgages is literally anything over four units in residential. And then every other piece of real estate, it's all commercial. So the financial news reporting agencies are talking about this now because of what happened with liquidity with the banks. So we just had a liquidity crisis and they contained it pretty well so far, but the banks are not doing so hot with their liquidity. And it's because they have all these assets that have actual losses that they haven't had to realize yet. They're on the books. We've seen a few recent examples where they actually had to start to sell off those assets at a discount just in order to get liquidity. And then some of those banks failed. Silicon Valley Bank being probably the most well-known of those. Exactly. And I think one thing to clarify for those listening to that maybe commercial real estate is not on your radar, financing for these types of properties are different. So with most of our clients are helping them with conventional loans, Fannie Freddie loans, 20% down for a single family, 25% down for multifamily, and they're typically a 30-year fixed. And so when we have a help a client purchase an apartment building, we are going to totally different lenders typically local banks, local to the property. And they can be amortized over a longer period, like 25 or 30 years, but they have an adjustable rate on them. And so they typically need to be refinanced, just extending your financing with that current bank after five, seven, 10 years, sometimes three years. Yeah. And here's the thing that people don't understand. The financial media I'm not sure that the people who report on this stuff understand it very well either. And that's kind of a problem because this says the coming commercial real estate crash may never happen. That's a true statement. And on this show, Heather, you and I have for a long time, we've said, look, nobody knows, nobody knows. But we've been saying that about the residential market. And we've been saying that because there's not a whole lot of statistics to back up the fact that there's going to be some looming crash. There's a whole bunch of levers that control this. So anything can happen. We don't really know. As a matter of fact, 
on the residential side, if the Fed loosened up the rates, if they actually brought the rates down just a little bit, the real estate market would go nuts and prices would go up, which seems counterintuitive, but that's pretty much what would happen. And I think it would happen very, very quickly. Yep. But today we're going to talk about commercial and even on the news, which is shocking to me, they're talking about the fact that these notes reset. Most of these are not fixed for a huge length of time. Most of them are like a three, five year, sometimes a 10 year note. That's pretty much it. Once they reset, you have to refinance, which means depending on what the property value is, what your net operating income is. As I'm reading down this article, the net operating income and the cap rate are what determine the value. So if cap rates expand, so cap rate is just a return on a property as if you paid cash. So net operating income means all of your income minus your operating expenses, your debt expenses. Net operating income is the income without debt. It's just the operation of the property. I will add, because I explain this to clients a lot, that your cap rate and your cash on cash or your cash ROI go up and down together typically, right? We have higher rates right now, so it's a little bit different, but it's really about how well the property performs. And so the more cash flow, so to speak, that your property has, the more it's worth, which is not that way in residential real estate. And we have people misunderstand that regularly, mostly our sellers that are like, yeah, but the cash flow on this property is amazing. It's worth more. I'm like, well, sorry. It's just based on what property is sold around it. There's not a whole lot you can do. Whereas commercial, you reduce expenses or increase your income, your property is worth more money, which is pretty unique, pretty cool. Yeah. So the other lever is the cap rate, right? So if cap rates are at 5%, this is also going to sound really counterintuitive, but if cap rates are low at like 5%, your property is actually worth more money. As the return gets better for the buyer, it's not better for the seller they're actually losing money as cap rates expand. That's what's happening right now. I think we should talk about that because I think that's confusing to people when we just said you can affect the value. So it's kind of like the going cap rate. What the market says, okay, well, this is the kind of rate of return we're looking for. For instance, me and my partners as we're out there looking for properties to acquire, a year ago when interest rates were down in the threes and fours, we could buy a property with a lower cap rate because if we put 25% down on a property, we could still cash flow really well and we could get a really solid return. If the cap rate's at six or six and a half, there's no benefit to leverage. As a matter of fact, we may have a negative, we may have it turned upside down. The leverage is actually worse. That only happens for a little while before people go, well, I'm just not going to pay six and a half cap for this property or five and a half cap for this property. I'm not going to do it. That's what controls the market. It's actually the market. If the market is now saying, hey, we're not going to pay 5.5% cap rate for apartment buildings anymore. We're just not going to do it. Now we're going to pay 6 or 6.5. Just so you guys understand what that means, this is how it would calculate. Let's say you had $100,000 of net operating income. Income minus expenses, operating expenses, not debt, is $100,000 annually. So $100,000, in order to figure out what the value of the property is at a given cap rate, you would divide by that cap rate. So a year ago, for instance, let's say the cap rate was like 5.5%. So if I divide by 0.055, that means the building is worth $1.8 If it's a 5% cap rate, it would be worth $2 million. So $100,000 divided by 0.05 is $2 million. 
Okay, here's where this gets really interesting. Watch what happens to the value of the property as the cap rate goes up. Let's just go 1%. So we're gonna go from a 5% cap rate, a valuation of 2 million, and we're gonna go to six. 1.6. 1 1.6, they lost $400,000. Literally nothing changed except for the cap rate, which is one of the valuation tools for real estate. So if their net operating income didn't increase and they go to refinance, now they have a valuation problem because the bank is going to say, we're going to go do an appraisal. They're going to send the appraiser out. Appraiser is going to come back and go, valuation of the property at current cap rates is 1.6 million. Well, how does an appraiser determine the current cap rates? Just like kind of like what's been selling at what cap? There's a whole bunch of data sets that most of the public don't have access to. CoStar is a big, big one where they track sales. So it's very similar in a way to residential. In residential, it's super easy because the multiple listing service has all of these sales that are occurring all the time. And you can draw circles around them. You can go, okay, everything in this little area right here sold for this price per square foot. And here's the age of the property. And they make a whole bunch of different adjustments. But generally speaking, I'm willing to pay and what you're willing to sell it to me for the most part that determines value so if the value is going up or if the value is coming down the same thing happens in the commercial world but it's all driven off of net operating income because it's an income producing property if i'm out there looking for this and now i'm like look it doesn't make any sense for me to pay five percent anymore so nobody's paying five percent cap rate anymore everybody starts paying six percent six and a half percent seven percent the people who are holding those properties are losing value now, if you're the bank and you've given these people a 75% loan to value, if the property is only worth 1.6, according to the regulators, you're supposed to be at 75%. It was determined off of 2 million. 75% of 2 million is 1.5. It's 1.25 now because the value went down. Now I'm trying to refinance. I've got to bring quarter of a million dollars to the table because I'm out of whack with the bank. In order for them to give me money, I've got to be in that 75% range. In addition to that, when I originally got my loan, I was probably somewhere between three and four and a half percent interest. And now interest rates are between six and seven. So now I have two problems. I have a cash flow problem because I probably bought that property at a lower cap rate because the interest rates were lower. So now I'm going to have a hard time unless I've really increased my net operating income. I now have a cash flow problem when I go to refinance. In addition to that, I have to outlay a quarter of a million dollars. And their monthly payment's going to go up. Now, you want to know what the real big problem is. Imagine you had a property that has a million dollars net operating income. So that property at a 5% cap rate is a $20 million property. But that property at a 6% cap rate is a $16 million property. Wow. You scale that and it's a dire. As Joe Biden would say, it's a big effing deal. So as we read through this article, this is interesting because the way that they report this is as if there's no problem here. Nothing to see here, people. I agree. They're saying that, oh, well, delinquencies are not that bad and people aren't late. I'm like, well, yeah, because they haven't had to have all their money reset. <laughs> it's not reset yet. Nobody's having a problem with a 3% loan. Of course, nobody's defaulting. Yep. But it says right here, shares of developers and the banks that lend to them have dropped sharply. Yeah. And bank shares have stayed low. And that's because these losses are on the bank's books too. Yeah. They're called unrealized losses. And at some point, everybody's going to have to pay the piper here. It does go into how much an office crash could hurt the economy. It's dramatic. 
I just was in Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago and our builder there has been in business for several dozen years. I don't even know. He said, I'm having issues because my normal banks I use are nervous. And so they're pulling back on my lines and crazy because he builds a product. We sell it before it's finished. And we have a proven track record that we close, right? And I had to meet with a new bank out there and uh, not had to, I was willing to, um, to talk with them about what we do and how we explain this to investors and how the numbers work. And in the end, the guy turned to me and said, well, you may have me as a client. Like, this is amazing. And he's in banking, right? I mean, he's a commercial lender, but they needed some extra ammunition in me meeting with him. And that's crazy considering this guy's model, longevity, delivering on time, all that stuff. So really crazy. And the reason the banks are nervous is because it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. If the market shifts and he can't sell stuff, it's irrelevant because the cash won't flow anymore. It's kind of interesting. Again, they interview Chairman Powell and they start talking about bank failures and commercial loans and everything. And he's like, oh, it's all good. Don't worry about it. We're aware of the concentrations people have in real in commercial real estate. I really don't think it's comparable to this. And he's talking about what just happened with the banks. He says, the banking system is strong. It's sound. It's resilient. It's well capitalized, which is, well, not really true. I mean, it is until you have to mark all of this stuff to market, then the liquidity is a problem again, because there's pretty massive differences between what the paper is and what the paper is really worth in the market right now. Yes. Commercial mortgage books. So this is the part where they start talking about all the loans are being paid as agreed. Like Heather said, only 0.6% of PNC's loans. They talk about Wells Fargo, PNC, and JP Morgan Chase, which those banks really don't have a problem. But most of the loans are actually made by regional and local banks. They're the people like Heather was just talking about who lend to the people doing the construction on the ground. So kind of is a big deal. Yeah. They end that section with like delinquencies are still lower than pre-pandemic. So nothing to see here. All good. No problem. (laughs) That said, Wall Street certainly seems to be nervous about what's coming in the CMBS market, commercial mortgage-backed securities market. So all is not well on the home front. And he doesn't even really talk about all of the detail that I just went into where these people, when they go to refinance, are going to have a problem because of valuations and because of interest rates. They're just saying, hey, everything's okay because we don't see any spike, which makes total sense. They're not going to see a spike. Yep, exactly. The other thing that's kind of a problem that they talk about a little bit is vacancies among the office space, especially in California, which is one of the largest commercial markets. And that's a really big problem. 30% of office space in downtown LA is available for lease at the end of 2022. 30% vacancy. Wow. It's even worse in San Francisco. It's bad. The office space is a big, big problem. My partner and I were just looking at a mall. This is a beautiful mall, but the land under the mall is worth more than the mall is worth. And all that's happening now at the mall is a bunch of crime because there's tons of space that is vacant and it's in a pretty nice area of town. All the gangs have come in because nobody really goes there. So it's like open season. They can go in and they can rob the stores and the stores are moving out and it's becoming this shell. It's a really pretty mall. 
it's almost sad to think that somebody is going to tear down this gorgeous mall, but that's probably what's going to end up happening. Probably going to end up building some kind of apartments or something there because nobody wants to be there as a business. They can't make it work. So imagine all the mall owners, the REITs that own malls across the country. They're going to have to repurpose all of that. True. And that's a lot. That's a lot of real estate. Okay. Now we still haven't even talked about apartment buildings. We've talked about apartment buildings on the show several times before. We've talked about syndicators out there who didn't know what they were doing. They got into loans that are floating loans and the piper's going to come calling on that stuff too. In addition to that, many people were thinking that you could just continue to raise rents. We had a show on that too, maybe two shows on the fact that at some point people aren't going to be able to afford the rents. Yeah. Can't just keep raising rents $250 a month all over the place and expect people, especially in a recessionary market, to be able to afford it. Yes. I mean, we've seen in the beginning those increases and on apartments, you can't raise it monthly anyway. It's annually, right? So it's a lot farther spread out. It's not like you can just quickly say, I have higher expense. I need to raise all my rents as well. So I just literally in my email got this report on the multifamily market. I just saw it hit my email while we were on the show and I popped it open and checked this out. Apartment operators reported an uptick in vacancies and concessions this quarter. Okay. I don't like to say I told you so, except for sometimes. In this case, I actually do because we've been saying this. You have to look when you're buying apartment buildings, you have to look at the deliverables over the next 12 to 18 months because they're going to affect your rent. If there's 500 or a thousand units being built in a marketplace over the next 12 to 18 months and the absorption rate can't handle that many units, guess what's going to happen? Yeah, you can't. You have to pay people to move in there, offer yep. some kind of incentive. And knowing your markets, you guys, because that's very market specific. If something's overbuilt, because that doesn't mean all apartments are this way. No, but in a lot of these hot markets where people were buying, they weren't looking at what was coming. And it's funny because right here, the president of the NMHC says, quote, some of the softness can be attributed to seasonality. Investors remain concerned about the coming wave of supply in some markets. It's just starting to hit this wave of supply. So supply demand in single family residential, we've talked about this multiple times. In most markets, there's not enough supply for demand. But in the multifamily space in many markets, when this wave hits of new construction, and the prospect of slower economic growth in 2023, only 11% of quarterly survey respondents believe that the Fed will be able to achieve a soft landing this year in its effort to rein in inflation. So that means rates are probably going to continue to go up. Cap rates are going to continue to expand Yeah. when people have to reset their bridge loans. So Bridge loans are used when you buy a property and you need to do renovations to the property. It's a bridge to long-term debt. Bridge loans are usually a year to 18 months. Now, if you've had a bridge loan, you've done a bunch of renovations and you were counting on the interest rates being like four and a half or five and there are six or six and a half and they continue to go up. Now we've got a problem again. Yep. Same kind of problem. Same kind of problem. In addition, if you did all your calculations thinking that the cap rates were five and now they're six, when you go to refinance, you may have spent more money on your renovation and you may have to give money to the bank in form of down payment to be able to get your loan. This is a mess. Yeah. 
And to be able to just come up with that in the current climate, I mean, both you and I have said that we're saving a little more cash, a little more liquidity, because you just don't know what's coming. So for someone to just say, yeah, I'm just going to throw even a couple million dollars additional down payment on this loan, that's not a small amount of money. No. And most of these people, their capital stack, which again, is another term, right? So capital stack means I'm going to get some money from the bank, put some of my own money in there. I may be raising some of that equity. I may be getting the seller to come in and carry back. But if I now have to go get another 2 million, like Heather said, I got to get it from somewhere. I'm either getting it from my pocket or I'm raising that. If I'm raising it, it increases my equity costs on the property. None of that is good. Then it says the transaction market, meanwhile, remains at a virtual standstill. And this is so spot on with current apartment owners unwilling to offer buyers lower prices because they still think it's last year. Yeah. Necessary to compensate for both this diminished economic outlook and the elevated cost of debt. So it's the same thing we talked about, what, six months ago, Heather, five months ago. And in the retail market, we were saying, look, the prices are flatlining, but the sellers haven't figured that out yet. And the buyers all think it's a buyer's market. So they're offering way down here. Sellers are still way up here. That's where we are in the commercial space, especially in the apartment world. Yeah. Everybody thinks their property is God's gift to the planet. The buyers are all going, yeah, I ain't paying that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Ron. I've had so many sellers and builders come to us in the last six months, kind of mind blown that we're still moving property. And I think what you just said, I guess, saw in a new light that our sellers trust us, right? We've built a foundation with them that we can tell them, hey, you're not going to sell your property for that. Like, it's just not worth that right now. You need to sell it for this price in our negotiations with them. And they believe us and they don't say, oh, no, I'm just going to hold it. Right. Which is what a lot of people are doing. We'll call you back when it gets really painful. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Which also happens, by the way. Yeah. For sure. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Like the timing on this couldn't be more perfect. So buddy of mine, we had a deal under contract in the end of 2021. We did our due diligence and everything and it was kind of a train wreck property. So we had to retrade them and try to get the price down because there was way more work that needed to be done on this property than they suggested. This property he just sent me today. He's like, hey, take a look at this one. I clicked on it. It's a 9% cap rate, going in cap rate 9%. I said, man, that actually looks like a pretty decent deal. But somebody is like, understands that the cap rates are expanding. So they're offering a better cap rate. (laughs) And then I clicked on it. It's the same property. Not only is it the same property, they're saying, hey, well, the buyer fell out on this property. So this thing's back on the market and it's an unbelievable deal, yada, yada. Well, it's not. I actually looked at the net operating income today compared to in 2021, and it's exactly the same. Really? We had it under contract for $1.5 million. They're asking $1.8 million now. Oh, wow. They've absolutely lost their minds. And I get these calls all the time. I tell the brokers, I'm like, look, you're in the real estate world. You live it every single day. Why aren't you telling your sellers they're not going to get this price anymore? No one is going to pay this money, especially if I have to come in and do repairs. I was telling my buddy on another deal he sent me, I said, look, if Heather's going to go in and buy this property and it needs repairs, that means she's going to have to get bridge debt. Bridge debt right now is pretty expensive. No problem. We can work that into the deal. But over the next 18 months, what's going to happen to the cap rates and what's going to happen to the interest rates? Do you know? 
So I have to bake in enough profit on the deal to compensate for all the work I'm going to do on this property. Plus, in addition to that, I have to account for something I don't even know, which is where the interest rate's going to be and where the cap rate's going to be. And I don't know. So I just have to guess. And right now I can tell you, my guesses are not what the sellers like. Yeah, exactly. You can see all this upheaval. Now, I'm just giving you a whole bunch of information. So what do you do with this? Heather started to give you an idea. It's work with people who understand what the actual market value of properties are right now. Because there's a whole bunch of people out there who will sell you things from market value last year, which doesn't work or will try to anyway. And this also means a couple of things. Number one, I believe that over the next 18 months, the commercial world is going to have some deals. So if you're a big player, if you have a few million dollars or even more than a few million dollars just hanging out, earning four and a half percent in the money market right now, next 18 months are going to be fun to play in the commercial world. I haven't said that about the retail because I don't think that residential market's the same. Yeah. They don't have this valuation issue like commercial does. We typically are doing long-term 30-year fixed type of loans. It's just such an isolated issue. It's so interesting. Yeah. Let's do the exact same thing really quickly with a house. Heather goes and buys a house for $150,000 and it's worth $250,000, but she's got to put 50 grand into it. So she's going to go get the equivalent of bridge debt on a residential, but she doesn't have to chase a cap rate at all. All she has to do is look at this. In addition to that, she can do that work in two or three months, not 18. Mm -hmm. People wonder, well, why does it take 18 months? Well, it's because I'm going to have to wait for people to leave the unit so that I can go in and completely redo the unit and increase the rent. That takes a while for that to happen where the actual income is there so I can refinance. Well, Heather doesn't have that problem. Heather just goes and renovates the house. It takes her, whatever, 60 days, 90 days, done. You can actually lock rates for 60 to 90 days. Exactly. It gets even easier if it's new construction. Heather can just go and say, okay, well, the numbers work or the numbers don't work. Easy. And now I know right now, I know the numbers work right now today. Yep. It doesn't make any difference. And in five years from now, Heather doesn't have to worry about what the rates are going to be. If rates go down, I'm pretty sure I know what Heather's going to do. I will refinance right away. <laughs> so and if the rates go up, then I just wait. Who cares? Heather doesn't care Yeah, because her rate's fixed. One more thing, Heather. Gosh, dang, this is going long. This is another really useful thing for you guys right now. When all this madness is happening out there, Heather just told you how we go about negotiating. Say it one more time, Heather. They trust us. Their long-term relationships is probably the first thing. And then we tell them like, hey, we can sell it for this, take it or leave it. I mean, it's essentially what we do. And we have sellers that say, well, I want more than that. And we say, okay, go ahead and list it on the local market. Like best of luck. And a lot of times right now they're coming back to us because we also on the other side, educate investors that this is an opportunity right in the middle here for the same reasons we just discussed. I mean, there is a window of opportunity because the market less people are buying and cap rates are increasing. So when I'm able to refinance on the properties I already bought this year, I'm going to be better off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have had a cash flowing asset plus I'll just increase my cash flow. I'll just double down. And our lender is doing a no cost refi for the first two years after you purchase. There's companies out there that do what we do. That's also a shocker. But several of them have been telling their people to do these adjustable rate mortgages that are a little bit nuts. It seems like a really good deal, but here's how it works. 
Okay. These adjustable rate mortgages, they're fixed after two years, but at a higher rate. So we'll do like a three, one buy down or two, one buy down, which means for the first year, the rates really low. So the cash flow looks really impressive year two, eh, not so much, but year three, probably negative. They're doing that because they don't have the ability to go and negotiate better pricing and better terms on all of that stuff to get a 30-year fixed. And so they're putting people into a position where if the rates go up, they're screwed. And if rents don't increase like they've proformed, they're screwed. It's more important to get a better deal now. And I'll just tell you this. Some of the builders are baking in a market loss to our clients they're buying now. Let's say you have a $100,000 property, which doesn't exist, but let's just say you did to make math easy. What they're saying is when we go back to them, we say, look, the numbers don't work at 100,000. The numbers work at 85,000. And yep. they're going, ah, that really sucks. But okay, go ahead and sell it. So the market would have to drop 15% for our people to be at market value. So they will have net lost no money. And we make sure the property is going to cash flow in addition to that. So when you can go into a property like that, you can take advantage of the market conditions. That's what Heather's talking about is that we're negotiating all this stuff in the back end and our clients really don't see all of that crazy negotiations that goes on. But when we're done, we end up with something that currently in the market is good for our clients and we're using the market to be able to do that. And we're using all of this craziness that's happening in the market, both the commercial market and the residential market to do that. Yeah. So opportunity on both sides right now. So don't take the news when they put it out there and all this negative stuff. It is negative, but there's always positive mixed into the negative. You just got to look for it and find it. All right. So take all this information and this week, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to GetRealEstateSuccess.com.